No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Welcome aboard, everybody. Thank you for joining me on Talking Bass in PDX, the Bass and Warm Water Forum as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to the podcast. This is your forum for bass and warm water fishing. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about the podcast. The podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor FM, and many other platforms, but I am very excited to announce that we have been added to Amazon Music. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. On today's podcast, I'd like to give a tip of the cap to our sponsor, Peeler Custom Fishing Rods. I'll tell you more about Peeler Custom Rods during the show. On the show is an up-and-coming angler from the PDX area. And for those who, who are wondering, what's PDX? That is the sign for Portland. My guest is Douglas Derrick. Now, Douglas has a great story about fishing with his dad, along with a few other good stories, too. But he is a tournament angler that has just qualified for the Bass Federation semifinals in October. I believe this is his first year for qualifying. I like to talk bass and bass fishing. I think everybody knows that, but I'd like to say a special thanks to Douglas. He and his partner had just finished a tournament in Boardman, Oregon, and had driven down to the parking area at the Salilo Pool near the Dalles for a Sunday tournament. Now, we were doing this interview right out in the parking lot. Actually, Douglas was doing the interview in the parking lot, I was on the phone. The main line for the railroad goes east and west, right along the highway and right near that parking area. Well, as we were recording, a train just happened to come by. Now, we lost about three minutes of the interview, but what we were talking about was the weather. And if you live in the Northwest, you've watched the weather this past June, and I can say in one word, it has been rain. It seems like we've had more rain than normal. Well, we still have a couple weeks of June left. And this April, May, and June time frame is already the wettest on record since 1940. At the Portland airport, with 12.23 inches of rain as of June 11th, the previous record was 11.87 back in 2010. So... It is wet, and I can tell you that Douglas and his partner had a tough day on that Sunday tournament because the Columbia River came up, and it was actually near flood stages by the end of the day. So it was a tough, tough uh, tournament for them. Well, let's go ahead and get to Douglas and listen to the interview. Hey, Douglas, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Great to be here, Don. Well, let's just jump right into this. Uh, Of course, I follow a lot of folks on on social media, and uh, I've been watching a lot of your bass fishing, and what really caught my eye was a a few months back, you published the uh, Bass Federation schedule, and uh, I got very interested in uh, someone who who was fishing on 
the Bass Federation trail, so I, I wanted to contact you and uh, and get you on the podcast. So welcome. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I've really been uh, fortunate to have TBF here in Oregon and some really great guys uh, running the show and leading the way and teaching me how to bass in PDX. Yeah, bass fishing up in the Northwest is quite different than anywhere else that you fish, right? Most definitely. Uh, it's been uh, an interesting learning curve. You know, I um, I didn't quite know that bass fishing existed up here because everybody salmon fishes. But as I dove into it, it's a really thriving, amazing uh, community of bass fishermen and, uh, you know, life of bass that live in the area. It's just that salmon get all the attention. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've been doing the podcast now for uh, a couple of years and I've been bass fishing for the last 30 or so, and I'm not an anti-salmon person, but uh, for all my folks that know me out there, I don't salmon fish. Don't enjoy it. Don't like riding yeah. the boat for that long. <laughs> yeah, so how, how, did you, how did you get into bass fishing in the Northwest? Yeah. Well, uh, I was very fortunate to grow up with a father who's a passionate outdoorsman, um, many many different times of hunting, fishing, and whatnot that are memories before I can, you know, could even really walk, and it had me outdoors my whole childhood. Uh, he was the president of the Old Pueblo Bass Anglers Club in Tucson, Arizona as a kid, and he fished tournaments um, his whole life, and he still fishes them now out in East Texas, um, and he brought me in. I, uh, I bass fished all the way through, you know, moving out to college pretty prevalently, and then a little less when I moved to college in Flagstaff, Arizona. I did some bass fishing up there, but I did a lot of trout fishing. Uh, and then I did a brief stint in Alaska where I forced myself to learn how to fly fish. I didn't bring a spinning rod or a bait casting rod. I only brought fly rods up there and learned how to fly fish. Uh, and then was looking for the right place to move afterwards, and Portland was the answer for me. And I've now been 13 years here in the Portland area. Well, you know, congratulations for making it to the Northwest. I think it is one of the most beautiful places that we have in the United States and one of the most diverse fisheries that uh, that you'll find anywhere in the United States, too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've been just enthralled with my time here and learning more and more every day. And I didn't really uncover bass fishing until I bought a boat a couple of years ago, um, and that really has... I, I bought this multi-species Crestliner 16-foot boat that I was planning on crabbing and steelhead fishing and trout fishing, and I just passionately fell back in love with bass fishing and dove in head first back in bass, and bass fishing and barely crab or trout fish anymore at all. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think once you get the bass bug, as it were, I think that a lot of folks uh, kind of turn that direction now. One of the stories about your boat, and I do want to talk a little bit more about that. As I was going through your Instagram post, I noticed that you caught uh, a lingcod out of that boat. Do you mm -hmm. can you tell me the story on that? Yeah, that was a, a fun one. Um, I uh, like to drop crab pots in the bays, and we'll go out to the jetties, and a couple of the jetties and bays have lingcod on the jetties, um, and so we'll drop the pots, and then I'll go out and I'll throw six-inch bass swim bait down the jetties and slow reel them down. And one of the lingcod, I caught three good lingcod in my time doing that, uh, and all of them 
hit like a tank when they grab it. And you have no idea whether they're going to cut your line with their teeth or what's going to happen with these things. And, you know, these are six, seven pound fish just fighting in the current like crazy. They are a ton of fun when you catch them. Yeah, for anybody who's caught a lingcod, whether it be in the bay or out uh, fishing, that's an angry fish. It It is angry when you catch it. It is angry on the boat. Yeah, most definitely. But they're delicious. I let 99.9% of fish go that I catch, but I'll keep a lingcod. There you go. There you go. Well, tell me a little bit more about how you decided to buy the boat that you did and, and how you came by it. Yeah, well, um, I've been fishing from a canoe and a pontoon in Portland for pretty much the whole time that I moved up here. But actually, I'll have to step back and tell a little story that, that takes you to where I'm at now. In 2008, I moved up here into Portland, and I had a pretty good collection of bass equipment from my childhood, a ton of flies and fly fishing equipment, uh, a ton of outdoor and backpacking and tent stuff. And my garage got broken into right when I moved to Portland and every piece of outdoor equipment that I got had got stolen from me and I didn't have insurance. And so I just slow rode it out buying piece by piece over the last, you know, 10 plus years to get where I'm at now. And it's been a slow road. So eventually came the boat after piecing all this stuff together. And in uh, early 2019, I bought this uh, Crest Liner, and the intention was, you know, I did a lot of trout fishing. I really enjoy fishing East Lake in Central Oregon and Crane Prairie for trout, and um, and I knew I loved bass fishing and knew that there was a good fishery on the Columbia, and I knew that there were some fish in the Willamette, and I had heard about Coos Bay lakes of 10 Mile and Lakeside in Southern Oregon, but I didn't know anything about them, and bought this boat, and we took a trip down to to 10 Mile. And that is one of the most incredibly diverse fisheries and beautiful floral and fauna that's growing there and such an amazing community and uh, smart but uh, awesome uh, habitat for all these largemouth. And I fell back in love my first trip to 10 Mile, and that was when I said, I'm, I'm, ba- I'm a bass fisherman. I don't know what I'm doing with all these fly rods. I'm going to put them away for now, and I'm going to focus on bass fishing. Yeah, 10 Mile. For folks who haven't fished 10 Mile Lake, I, I think you ought to um, book a trip, come out to Oregon, go out and fish it. It is a phenomenal lake. Actually, there's two lakes. There's North and South Lake. Um, yep. caught, my, caught my personal best there. Um, nice. Good for you. Several years ago, I, uh, it, it's a long story. Maybe I'll tell it on the podcast one day. But, uh, yeah, almost a five-and-a-half-pound fish, and uh, it, was, great. it was great. So, um now, there, I noticed that you had been out. Weren't you fishing with your dad just recently out at, like, uh, Wallula? Correct. Uh, my dad is a is a really great fisherman, as I said, and uh, he fishes all East Texas lakes. And uh, he wanted to come up here, and I, I wanted to um, fish water that was going to be useful to me for my future tournaments because he's really good at helping me break down new water. And the – the circuit, the tournament circuit that I committed to this year was TBF, the Bass Federation. And uh, there's two circuits. They have a coastal circuit that does 10 mile and silt coos. And then they have a river circuit that does the Columbia River all the way from the Bonneville Pool up to Lake Wallula. And this year for Oregon, Washington, the semifinals, if you qualify through either of the two river or coastal circuit, the semifinals are in Lake Wallula, Tri Cities. So I said to my dad, 
I would love to pre-fish that water with you and learn it in case I have been graced with uh, qualifying for the semifinals when they do come there October 1st and 2nd. Um, so we went up there, and um, the plan was to go there first and then go to Potholes second, but the wind told us that we were going to go to Potholes first and Wallula second, and we listened to the wind, and that was a very good decision because if you don't know the Pacific Northwest, uh, the Columbia River Gorge is windsurfing capital of the world for a reason, so you can get blown off that water real quickly. But, uh, yeah, we had five nights fishing together. Um, we did the first two nights at Potholes and caught a mixed bag of largemouth and smallmouth, and we had that really fun moment where you catch a smallmouth when you're fishing for largemouth, and you catch a largemouth when you're fishing for smallmouth, and it was just such a beautiful, incredible fishery there at Potholes. I was absolutely blown away. Have yeah. you ever had the chance to fish it, Don? It's a beautiful lake, but I have not been to Wallula, and it was uh, it's ironic. Uh, just this last um, podcast, I was interviewing um, one of the folks from Kayaks Northwest, and they had just finished a tournament up there. And uh, oh. now that I now that I know where it's at, um, I plan to go there. Yeah, a, a really healthy fishery: walleye, kokanee, trout, uh, smallmouth, largemouth, and so much bigger than it even looks on Google Maps. I was really impressed with it. But then we went down to Wallula, and uh, I I kind of said to myself that I'm familiar with catching smallmouth now in the current in the Columbia. I've spent the last four years learning it. I'm no professional by any means. There's way better fishermen out here in the Columbia than I am, but I feel confident with it. But getting the elusive Columbia River largemouth has been a whole different story. There's slews, and there's some of them, but just because there's good water doesn't mean there's fish, and just because it looks deep doesn't mean it's deep. <laughs> and, uh, and just getting access to some of these things is really hard. So my dad and I spent a lot of time exploring the largemouth water on Wallula, and ended up having an absolutely mind-blowing day. We had a 22-pound best five fish over one day, multiple. Every fish was over three pounds, multiple fives. I caught one that was just shy of six was our big fish, but just a really incredibly uh, healthy largemouth fishery. Just not many fish per acre, but when you get into the right spot, all of a sudden you're on. And, and that's what I needed to know for the tournament because if I'm going to go to the TBF semifinals and only two – of 20 or of 55 boats qualify for the nationals, I might as well swing for the fences. Oh, absolutely. Now, well, let's turn the page and hear a bit more about Peeler Custom Fishing Rods. The most important equipment you have when you are fishing is your rod and reel. If it's time to replace that old rod or upgrade it, let Peeler Fishing Rods build you the best so that you can catch your personal best. Brandon and his team make the process very easy. Start by visiting their website at peelerfishing.com. Check out the custom bass rods, freshwater rods. PFR can even make that custom salmon and steelhead rod that you're looking for. Next, click on the build form so that you can start building that custom rod. From custom grips, custom guides, and even custom thread wrap colors, don't forget PFR can personalize your new rod with custom decals. As you're looking through the rod collection, don't forget to click on Fish Bum Apparel. They have long sleeve and short sleeve tees, along with great looking hoodies. As you're looking through their collection, don't forget the artwork is great. 
Don't wait to start building your custom rod today at peelerfishing.com. Do you have an older rod that needs updating? Email Brandon and his team and they'll put new life into that old rod with new custom guides and new decals. And of course, all PFR custom rods come with a lifetime warranty. Best of all, you're buying local, right here in Oregon. For all the Talking Bass in PDX listeners, use code fish to catch at checkout for a 25% discount on your new custom rod. Please visit peelerfishing.com and tell them that you heard about Peeler Fishing Rods on Talking Bass in PDX. I know Brandon and his team are looking forward to building you that one-of-a-kind custom fishing rod. Now, let's get back to the show. How did you how did you decide that you wanted to go from, hey, I like bass fishing, full in on a, on a full tournament schedule? Yeah, well, uh, I, I consulted my partner. Uh, she said yes, and now that we're in it, she's questioning her yes. But, uh, you know, full support of my lady. Uh, I am a competitive person, and I have spent the last four years really refining my bass fishing skills from a childhood to the adapt to the water up here and just enjoy the competition. And, uh, you know, last year was my first full year uh, fishing. I fished 503 Bassers last year, and I did okay, and I fished some TBF tournaments uh, and did okay. And this year I really put the work in to do the studies and, and get my tackle together and have all the equipment and be able to spend all the money it costs to do it right. And then once I had all that together, it's like, well, if, I'm, if I've got all this, let's, let's do it right. Like, let's go out there with the right equipment and the dedication that it takes and, and the commitment that, you know, you have to have because there are great fishermen out here. I, you're interviewing me on your podcast. I can tell you 10 other bass fishermen that I'm fishing against tomorrow that are way better than I am. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just a competition, it's, and it's the, it makes such an exciting moment, and I, and I love it dearly, so I do it. Well, I'll be honest. There <laughs> is uh, there are there are lots of fishermen that I would like to talk to and, and have sure. on the – there are a lot of fishermen that I'd like to have uh, on the podcast. They're very busy people. Back uh, not long ago, you got to fish with the president of the Bass Federation, Tom Hartshaw. And uh, how, yeah. how did you guys do on that tournament? Because that was 10 mile, right? Well, well, yeah, we uh, we did a two day 10 mile for the the coastal circuit of TBF was just four tournaments as qualifier. And then there's an o two opens. The qualifiers are back to back Saturday, Sunday, 10 mile, and then back to back silt coast this year. So it was four tournaments over two weekends. And I, I got really fortunate to convince this guy to, to take me as his, uh, as his co-angler. Um, and even actually list me as the boater to give me a better qual better chance at qualifying as the, boater for semifinals but yeah tom is uh i've turned him into a dear friend of mine i just call him all the time is the way that i figured out how to do that uh and he took me into his boat put me in the back of his boat and showed me the good spots and all i had to do was you know put fish in the net and uh we've had a great time he's, he's been a really good mentor and uh we did we got third place in our first tournament and then fifth in each of the next following three tournaments we ended up sixth in the series which was just the final qualifier cut for the semifinals so we made the semifinals in sixth place well that's very good now this is a special shout out if tom happens to hear this podcast i hope he does 
I really, really want him on the podcast. I have talked to him on the phone. Uh, we have had great, great fishing conversations. I've just never had uh, time to give him a call and match up our schedules. So, Tom, you are invited anytime you want onto the podcast. Now, well, you, I, I encourage you to do that. He is a, an amazing fisherman. He's got 30-plus years of bass fishing tournament experience, and he's just been such a good person for me to have in my life, uh, and I'm really fortunate to have Tom. So I hope you get time. If you do, ask him about the colors uh, of his lures. He'll tell you the numbers of them, not the colors, because he just has all that stuff memorized. He is a, he's a wild wow. mind for bass lures. Wow, that's phenomenal. Now, you had mentioned uh, that you had won a tournament this year. Which one did you win? Yeah, so um, the the TBF River Circuit had uh, the same setup as the Coastal. It was back-to-back, two different weekends, four tournaments, Saturday, Sunday, each weekend. And the first one was Hood River, Hood River, back-to-back. Uh, and my buddy Pat and I, who I'm with here right now, uh, went out and won that first tournament with a massive bag of 22.5 pounds, 22.58, actually. Uh, and pre-spawn smallmouth, we caught in 40 feet of water. And it was a wild day where I caught 30 bass over three pounds. I mean, I just was setting hooks. It was, the, it was one of those days where the stars aligned, and it happened to be during a tournament. I also caught my personal best smallmouth of six pounds, two ounces as well that day. So just an epic way to win a tournament. Wow, that is phenomenal. Now let's talk a little yeah. bit about uh, let's talk a little bit about and I know that that uh tournament fishermen don't like to talk about this, so you you know, you can you can slide as much as you want. But I love to talk about the type of tackle that you use, your rod, reel, line. What do you like to use out there? And do you use different um techniques for the lakes versus the river? Yeah, well, you know, I'm pretty open about it, and I, I try to be as open as possible on my Instagram page and, like, actually giving a breakdown of what happened to an extent of what you can because you don't want someone to come replicate exactly. But I want I want everybody to go out there and catch fish as well. So, you know, I'm just trying to be as nice as I can. And I'm going to give you some secrets here today that I haven't really told anybody else. And if this person has the time to listen to me talk, uh, I, they deserve to hear my secrets. So... You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I got going on, and yeah, to answer your question, we have very different lures from river to coastal series. Um, I spend two hours switching over my rods between each circuit, right? But it, it, it's a whole different setup for river to to coastal. The coastal lakes are diverse. You know, you need you could need a swim bait, you could need a top water, you could need um, you know, certain times you got open water and jerk baits, and sometimes you're flipping and punching. The river circuit, I've kind of broke it down uh, in a very vague answer to whether they're eating fish or they're eating crawdads. And I try to focus in on which one they're they're focused on. Watching the live well, what they're spitting up, watching the gullet of every fish that I catch, watching which lure I catch fish on. But, you know, I fish a lot of swim baits. And what it came down to with the river series is that you got to get a swim bait down to the bottom fast and run it just off the bottom. Uh, and, and you have the current coming at you, and you need to run your lure down current. Now, I say that, and that's not true for every time. Sometimes I bring my lure up current, but it's pretty rare. Um, 
but for the most part, so you're trying to bring a swim bait down current, and if you cast it up current, it's going to come towards you as it's sinking. So how can I make it sink as fast as possible? Well, you put too heavy a weight on, and it catches the bottom, and you get sunk, hung up every time. So been through this kind of evolution of finding, like, the right way to get a swim bait to run on the bottom. And I was fishing a drop shot uh, with a swim bait on it and did really well with that. Uh, that setup, you know, it makes sense. You can get fairly heavy weight and tick the bottom and run your swim bait just eight inches off the bottom or six inches or 12 inches off the bottom, however you choose. But eventually came across this, uh, this T rig, as I call it, and it's a T swivel. So it's two swivels that are connected together. Um, and one of them goes around the center of the other. So one straight and it's, it's uh, horizontal and I tie straight to braid to it. Uh, and that's very important because I can, with straight to braid, I can set the hook from a mile away. Uh, and then on the other side of it, I run like 12 pound fluoro or 10 pound fluoro to about 36 inches, fairly long to a, to a EWG hook. And on the EWG hook, I put a three, four or five inch swim bait on there. And then I run like an eight inch weight or a line at the bottom of the T swivel to a half ounce weight or a five eighth ounce weight or a three quarter ounce weight or a one ounce weight. And that way, I can cast a mile, and then my weight is ticking the bottom, and I feel the weight, but the swim bait is running eight inches off the bottom, you know, at whatever pace you're at. And I can cast a mile, and I can get it down really quickly, and I can set the hook with the straight to braid, because I only have 18 inches of fluorocarbon between me and the fish. It doesn't stretch at all, really. And that has been such a game changer for me. It really has, like once I figured that out and can get that down and cover long distances of water on the bottom quickly, that's really been like a huge lure for me. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a secret that, that uh, nobody uh, that I know that's fishing uh, swim baits. And, and I know several tournament fishermen uh, with, uh, with other clubs that, that fish out in that area where you're at. And um, they set them up a little bit differently, but, uh, for my audience out there, swim baits, folks, those are the things to use out on the uh, Columbia River, no matter, you know, if you're uh, yeah. there at Hood River or if you're all the way up at uh, at Boardman. So that that is a great one. Now, I noticed on your Instagram page that you did fish some Willamette Weapons um, uh, baits. And the reason I bring up Willamette Weapons is because I have fished with... Uh, with Brian, and uh, and he's a really good fisherman. How did you like those type of crankbaits? Oh, man, I think he does such a great job. Yeah, I'm a huge supporter of Brian, and get on all of his uh, uh, live feeds where he's auctioning off different lures, and I think he, he really is a community supporter and, and a builder of our community, and those are the people that I love. I, I want people who are doing good things to help our community and, uh, and are champions of bringing new people in and, and more people. And he also makes great lures. I've had some really good success on, on those crankbaits, and I really like his crankbaits. And, yeah, good stuff. And for folks that are listening to the podcast, if this is your first time and you want to hear a Brian Chapman podcast, just look back on my, uh, I think there it's about four or five podcasts back, and look at the ones that uh, Steve uh, Fleming from Maha Outfitters and Brian and I go fishing on the Upper John Day, and you will be able to hear the same excitement that you're hearing here with with Douglas. Now, Douglas, one of the things that I always like to ask people is, what's your favorite all-time fishing story? That's a that's a tough question. 
man, I've had so many. I, I, you didn't give me warning, so I could have, like, sifted through the millions of times. I mean, I think I told you, I, I fished 100 days in 2020, 2021, and I'm trying to do it again in 2022. So there's a lot of fishing memories in there. But, wow. you know, uh, I, I've, I've been uh, advancing my fishing at a very fast rate over the last five years. Um, and had some really incredible moments from studies that have culminated in amazing fishing days. But to be honest, not a single one really comes together like the last Hood River tournament that Pat and I won was 22 pounds. I mean, I, I'm a newbie to this scene. Uh, people don't know my name. Uh, I am, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just out here to have fun and all that knowledge and all that study came together to put us on the spots where we found multiple, multiple three pounders and got to just cull through three pounders all day long. So we had a bunch of four pounders and then catch one six. And that day just it stands out to me and it always will, you know, it's one of your first big tournament wins. So it's very special to me. No, absolutely. You know, it's it's tough when somebody throws you off the spot like that and says, tell me your favorite. And it uh, it takes a long time to some think about. It. But the um the other uh, thing that I saw well, was hey, uh, I'll, I'll interrupt okay. you and tell you one other story if I can. Okay. Uh, another amazing opportunity that came in my life is my dad took my brother, me, and my dad's best friend, who is also my best friend. Uh, down to El Salto in Mexico, and we got to go fish El Salto in prime time and just rip up five, six, seven pounders. My brother caught an eight and a half, and it was just one of those times where it, it was the best of company and, and the best of fishing, and if you don't have a chance to go to El Salto, uh, Anglers in treated us like kings, and I couldn't rave better at the experience that we had down there. So there's there's a number two. Um, yeah, that one's thanks to dad. Yeah, that, uh, I, I have not been there. I've heard a lot about it and, uh, it, that sounds like a great place. So now what's your chances you think of qualifying this year to, to move on? Uh, are you, uh, are you up there to where you will qualify yeah. you think? Well, so, uh, it actually happened that I qualified already via the coastal circuit in sixth place. So I'm super stoked I'm already there. I'm in the third – I just finished my third of fourth tournament uh, today for the river circuit. We were in first place uh, after the first two tournaments. Today we slipped into second place. I'm only two points behind first place. So tomorrow there's a really good chance I'll win Angler of the Year. Uh, I guess I'll say a m- marginal good chance I'll win Angler of the Year. I'm up, I'm up against somebody who's just been so consistent um, uh, Ronnie Weissman and his partner, uh, but yeah, there's there's a good there, there's a good chance that uh, you know I'll, I'll qualify high in this TBF River Circuit, and I already qualified via the Coastal, and so I'll be fishing Tri Cities October first um, and swinging for the fences. Wow, that is great. Now, which is your favorite? Do you like fishing the River Tournament, or do you like fishing the Coastal Lake Tournament? That's a good question. Uh, I am historically a largemouth fisherman, and lakes, I feel more comfortable in lakes. And actually, like, really my favorite lakes have been Cottage Grove, Dorena, and Green Peter. Um, 
over 10 mile and stilt coos. 10 mile and stilt coos have come with a really hard, long learning lesson of how to break them down and how to figure them out. Uh, and I've had good days on them, but cottage, something about Cottage Grove, Darina, and Green Peter, more so even Cottage Grove and, and Darina because they're more bowl-like lakes that I somewhat grew up with in Arizona, and I understand those lakes, and I've done really well. I've, I've had some huge fish day on Darina. Uh, I think the population there is really healthy of largemouth, and I think that that lake is, is just doing great. And that ever since the ODFW started managing Cottage Grove for spotted bass, it's just been on the ups for both spotted and largemouth, and I love that lake too. Pressure is high, and fish are smart, but it's such a beautiful fishery, and we're really fortunate to have it. And so those are like, those are my favorite. Really, I, I want to throw a buzz bait on Darina with a swim bait behind it and no skirt. That's like my favorite day. Yeah, that I have not got to fish Darina. I was supposed to this year. Most of my listeners know that I'm on the IR right now, the injured reserve, uh, and uh, probably won't be back out fishing until the fall, but I'm but I'm looking forward to it. Now, talking a little bit about, we, we, we kind of talked about the, the uh, baits that you like, the, the tackle that you like to use, but what about rods and reels? Do you have a favorite that, that you like to use? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I got spoiled by fishing with Tom Hartshorn, who is an edge rod uh, ambassador, and I fished one edge rod, and now I've invested in four. They're an investment, but they are the most incredible rods ever. I mean, I, I can't deny. They blow everything else out of the water. Um, they are, uh, you know, American-made by Gary Loomis. Um, they are very special rods. But I can't have every rod that's a, an edge, at least at the income love bracket that I'm at right now. Um, and I've been really happy with Fenwick. I've fished Fenwick for many years. I've got a lot of Fenwick rods. But to be honest, I also fish some of my dad's hand-me-down fast pro shop bionic blades and they get the job done. You know, I just got to do what you got to do. Uh, I I'm still bouncing between real manufacturers. Um, I've got a beautiful Shimano Corrado 150 MGL. That is one of my favorite reels, but 200 and some dollar reel. Uh, and I've got an Abu Garcia black max that does a pretty damn good job for $79. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I take each purchase very seriously because it's an expensive sport. Um, and so I try to cut corners wherever I can. And if I've got a bottom contacting lure, I want a higher quality rod. So my jig rod is an edge rod and my T rig rod is an edge rod. And these are the ones where it matters to know the difference between a, a rock and a fish and, and feel the slightest tick. And that's where it really matters. Yeah, I mean, I actually have a sponsor on the podcast for 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 rods, and so uh, I'm starting to switch over to to theirs. And uh, yeah, I know when you once you start to get that feel for a, for a really good rod, it's like you just can't you can't have anything else. And I understand that. Yeah. And now tomorrow, you know, you guys are gonna be out fishing, and uh, the weather, eh, well, you know, it's it's June in Oregon, and we've had uh, two. Point eight inches of rain this month uh, for for 2022. It's been a wet. It's wet. It's been a wet month. What's yeah. your plan? What's your plan to kind of keep your uh, your concentration and make sure that you're that you're out there fishing as hard as you can? 
even with that bad weather? Yeah, so tomorrow on Celilo is going to be windy and it's going to get rainy. When the wind gets really bad, the rain finally comes in. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we found a mix of fish eating crawdads and swim baits, uh, and I'd rather have a swim bait bite than a crawdad bite. And so my plan tomorrow is to go through swim baits. Uh, fish were shallow because the water got super murky and really high. We've had a ton of rain, as you mentioned. So, you know, these 20 fish, these 20, 30, 40 feet deep fish that we normally fish for are in 10 feet of water. So I'll be fishing 10 feet of water or less. Uh, and I'll just be, uh, you know, casting up current all day long as much as possible, keeping my lure in the strike zone, keeping my head high because getting spun out is definitely a thing. And that's not something that you can do on a tournament day. You got to keep your head in the game and move often. If you're not catching fish, you need to move. Um, I, I'm confident enough that I know how to catch fish. So therefore, if I'm not catching fish, I'm moving spots. Well, I wish you luck in, in the tournament tomorrow, and I hope that you, you do well. What's the last thoughts from you as we're wrapping this, uh, this little interview up? Oh, well, you know, I, I just have to give a shout-out to our community leaders that, that I've, you know, gotten to work with and, and hang with. We've got, you know, the Drain Raider Bass Team and Art Ferreira, who runs it and supports this community so much, and AccuCool and all the sponsors who do TBF, including Willamette Weapon and Edge Rod. These are the people that, like, give me the platform to be able to succeed, right? It wouldn't work without them. And I'm just, I'm a huge appreciate, I appreciate the community that is built and the people who put in the time. Tom Hartshorn, who, as I mentioned, is, and Gary Harrell, who runs TBF. Like, this is the tournament that I put my eggs into the basket and they do a great job of running it. And they have a great list of sponsors who mean a lot to, to me um, to be able to be out here with and, you know, and having the competition and having the platform to do it is what it's about. Well, Douglas, thanks. Thanks for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to us talk about fishing. And again, I'd like to thank Douglas. I know that, Recording and talking on the phone out in that parking area at night had to have been a little cool and uncomfortable. Luckily, it wasn't raining when we did this, so again, thanks, Douglas. Well, this wraps up this episode of Talking Bass and PDX. For show ideas or feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. I'll answer your email, and I may even put it on the air. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark. Talking Bass in PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast. Mm-hmm.